I'm Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. Today, I want to offer some suggestions for how you can help others in your life overcome fear. We're living in a time where the world is really in turmoil, and chances are you have someone in your life or multiple people who've struggled with fear. How can you reach out to them and offer them hope in this season? Before we dive into that topic, I wanted to remind you about our upcoming Set Apart Conference, June 5th through 7th in Colorado, or you can join us anywhere you are via simulcast. And this year's theme is all about going deeper in your relationship with Christ. It's called Sacred Living, and it's about how to cultivate daily, vibrant, passionate, intimate devotion to Jesus Christ. It's really applicable for women of every age and every season of life. So I really hope you'll join me either in person or via simulcast. And I also wanted to remind you that our Ellerslie Discipleship Training Programs are happening throughout the summer and the fall of 2020. So if you're looking for a week or a season of your life to come away from the distractions and the cares of your life and go deeper with Jesus Christ and have a set-apart season to really become grounded in the Word of God and ignite your spiritual fire, I really encourage you to check those out. You can find out more at ellersley.com, E-L-L-E-R-S-L-I-E.com. I would love to see you in Colorado later this year for one of our programs. So let's dive into helping others overcome fear. I want to start out with a scripture from Psalm 112, 6 and 7. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. That is such a powerful statement, and I wonder how many Christians can say, yes, that describes me today. As the world is in crisis, can we honestly say that we are not being shaken because our hope is in Christ? We do not have fear of bad news because we are fixated on the good news of Jesus Christ, and our hearts are steadfast because we are trusting in Him. If that is not your reality today, I encourage you to get on your knees and ask Him to make that your reality, because the reality is, when you are in Christ, when He is your all in all, when your life is built around him, that should be the hallmark of our lives. And so often for me, the difference between walking fearlessly or fearfully comes down to where my gaze is fixed, where the gaze of my soul is fixed. Am I dwelling on the bad news that's swirling around me, the circumstances that seem overwhelming, or am I focused on the good news of Jesus Christ? You know, anytime you open your computer or turn on the TV or in whatever form you see the news, it's pretty much always bad news. But Jesus, when you open his book, when you read his word, when you sit at his feet as Mary did, he is filled with good news, with hope-filled news. So I encourage you first and foremost to really look at where the gaze of your soul is fixed. There is a really powerful quote that I wanted to share with you from Darlene Dibler, who's the author of the book Evidence Not Seen. In that book, she writes about her experiences being taken prisoner by the Japanese during the Second World War. She was there in New Guinea with as a missionary with her husband and so many terrible things that she had to walk through during the war and losing her husband and becoming very ill and being a prisoner and just having so many terrible things happen all around her. But this was her attitude through all of that. She said, I discovered that when I took my eyes off the circumstances that were overwhelming me, over which I had no control and looked up, my Lord was there. Deep in my heart, he whispered, I'm here even when you don't see me, I'm here. Never for a moment are you out of my sight. That is our reality in Christ. When we take our eyes off the circumstances that overwhelm us, over which we really have no control, and we choose to look up, we will see that he is there and he is ready to tell us, I am here never for a moment. Are you out of my sight? 
And I honestly believe that one of the most important ways to encourage people around you to be fearless rather than fearful is by living this out in your own life, to take your eyes off these circumstances and fix them on Jesus Christ. Because when other people see where your gaze is fixed, they'll follow your gaze upward and they'll realize that there is hope. There can be a place to go for courage and that's at the feet of Jesus. I want to share with you two seemingly insignificant stories from my own life that illustrate this point really well. The first happened when Eric and I were at a very large speaking event with about 500 or 600 teens at this church, and we were doing like a three-hour presentation on godly relationships, and we were about at the halfway point when someone pulled the fire alarm. I have no idea who pulled it or why, probably just some kids goofing off in the back, but we had to evacuate the entire building, so all five or 600 kids had to go out into the parking lot and wait about 30 minutes for the fire alarm fire department to come and make sure everything was fine before we could go back in and it was winter it was cold it was dark the kids were rowdy we were a little frustrated because obviously we were right in the middle of our presentation and we had to stop and be completely distracted with this this fire drill that we had to go through and yet as we were in the parking lot just waiting we were really doing our best to be peaceful and to be calm and to just keep our focus on Christ and to really just talk to the kids that were standing around us and help them feel at ease. And I didn't think really a whole lot about that. We finally eventually got back into the building and finished up our evening. And later, though, one of the girls wrote me a letter and she said, you know, I was really panicking when they made us evacuate the building. I didn't know what was going on. I thought maybe we were in danger or something bad was going to happen. But when I saw you in the parking lot and I saw how peaceful and calm you were, I realized that I could be peaceful and calm as well. And because I saw how you guys handled that situation, my heart was so much more receptive to the message that you wanted to share. And I gave my life to Christ or I I renewed my commitment to Christ, I think is what she said uh, during that event. And wow, what a powerful testimony, the way that we acted in the parking lot actually had a greater impact upon her than anything that we said from the stage. And I think that's such an important lesson for all of us as Christians. Maybe it's not even in the moments when you are consciously trying to share the gospel with someone, but in the behind the scene moments where people can see how do you respond when things don't go that well or when something negative happens or when you're struggling with something, how do you respond? Do people see that example of everything that you believe lived out in your life. And if not, pray and ask God to enable you by his grace to respond as he would respond in those moments. I can definitely say that Eric and I don't always respond perfectly in those kinds of situations, but it was really neat to see how this one time, something that we didn't even really think much about made such a big impact. And that's what can happen in your life as well. Another time, Eric and I and his sister Chrissy were all at a coffee shop here in Windsor, Colorado, and his sister was visiting from out of state. But while we were at this coffee shop, a very huge tornado came through our town and actually touched down. And it was a scary moment. You know, we watched the sky get really, really dark, and we saw these huge golf ball-sized hailstones coming down on the cars in the parking lot and shattering some of the windshields. And we all had to get into this hallway area because there was no basement in this building. And as we were in the hallway, we could hear the sirens. We could hear the breaking glass. We could, you know, really feel that something big was happening. And a lot of children were in this group of us that were in the hallway 
I think there had been some kind of camp field trip or, or something, but a lot of 10, 11, 12-year-olds were there. And some of them didn't even have their own parents with them because they had been on some kind of field trip. And a lot of them were kind of hysterical and crying, didn't know what was going on. And I remember that Eric and his sister just started singing hymns and they started to lead the kids in hymns as well and really turn the gaze and the focus to God and his faithfulness. And it was so incredible to see the change that came over those people that were with us, especially the young kids, because they went from being hysterical to being calm simply by fixing their gaze on God instead of these scary circumstances that we were facing. And uh, we were all fine. The tornado didn't injure anyone, just just caused some damage to the town. But God's protection was certainly over all of us. But it was really interesting to see how just one or two people choosing to focus on the right thing brought a peace and a calm to the entire group. If you have maybe friends or family members right now who are maybe hysterical or panicking or fearful over what's going on in the world, how can you share that same example with them? How can you start pointing them to truth? That's what I want to focus on in today's episode because it's so easy in moments of crisis or in seasons of turmoil to just be self-protective, to not really think about how to turn outward because we're so busy worrying about our own issues, our own problems, our own struggles. But God has called us to shine his light in, in such a time as this. In fact, It's really interesting to see that Christians have the hope that everyone is is seeking after right now. A lot of times when the world is in crisis or something difficult has happened, people become a lot more receptive to the truth, a lot more open to hearing the gospel. When everything's going well, they don't see the need in their life oftentimes. But when they're struggling, when maybe their business has had to shut down through all the quarantines or, or whatever is going on, a lot of times they're going to be a lot more open and receptive to truth. And the question that we need to ask ourselves is, are we ready to be to be the answer to that need? Are we ready to offer them the hope of Jesus Christ? Or are we just so focused on ourselves that we're not even seeing those opportunities? So ask God to open your eyes to the opportunities that are in front of you right now. Here are a couple ways that you can do that practically. And the first one is to share truth and not just trends, not just trendy, feel good, shallow messages. It's so easy to fall into the mindset of just telling our friends and family what they want to hear, not necessarily what they need to hear. It's really a lot easier and more popular to dwell upon the negative news reports than the amazing promises of God's word. But the amazing promises of God's word are what people really need to hear today. And no matter what we're walking through, no matter what anyone is struggling with, there is always an answer in the word of God. There is always an answer to be found at the feet of Jesus. And sometimes we hesitate to point people towards truth or to lead them closer to Jesus Christ through a season of crisis because we want to seem you know, socially correct. We want to kind of jump on that bandwagon of fear and panic because that makes us seem more sensitive maybe to everybody else. Or we just, we just feel like that is deemed more popular and we want their approval. It might be easier to jump on the bandwagon of fear and negativity right along with everyone else, but God has called us to boldly proclaim his hope and his truth in this time. Truth is what is really needed, not just empathy, not just, oh yeah, I'm walking through this with you. I know how you feel. There can be some of that. That can be important, but they also need to be led towards the truth. Truth is what sets free. Truth is what gives hope and truth can only be found in Jesus Christ. It can only be found. Here are some practical ways that I have found to do this. And the first one is to share stories that build faith. So whether you're sharing testimonies of God's faithfulness in your own life or in the lives of others or in powerful Christian books you've read, 
sharing stories that showcase the faithfulness of God is such an amazing antidote for fear. And I think a lot of times in the church, we don't do that anymore. We so focus on our own doubt and despair and disillusionment, but God has called us to share stories that build faith and to remind us and remind each other who our God really is. So look for those amazing stories of God's faithfulness and testify to his faithfulness to others in your life. The second one is to send and to share God's promises. So go through the word of God and look at the incredible promises that he's given us and look for ways you can share those with people in your life who may be struggling, whether it's sending them an email or just speaking it to them verbally. And sometimes you may need to speak them first to your own soul before you can turn outward and share them with others. But the promises of God are so precious for such a time as this. Also, ask people how you can pray for them. Don't just listen to them share their struggles, but also pray for them so they realize that the the answer is found in God, in his word, at the feet of Jesus. It's not just in being a listening ear, it's pointing them to the real solution, which is Jesus Christ. And again, don't be afraid to stand boldly for God's promises and courageously that God will be faithful in this time and to constantly remind people of that, even if they may see you as, as foolish or, hey, you know, you're not really looking at reality. The truth is that you're looking at heaven's reality rather than the reality of this world. And that's where God has called us to fix our gaze. Leonard Ravenhill has a great quote in his book, Why Revival Tarries. And he says, Do not the eyes of the Lord still run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those who put their trust in him? Oh, that God would give me more practical faith in him. Where is now the Lord God of, of Elijah? He is waiting for Elijah to call on him. So often, you know, you'll hear people say, well, I don't really see God at work in the world today, but usually that is because we are not calling on him. He is waiting and ready for someone who will call on him in faith, and he does answer prayer. A few of the the powerful promises of scripture to stand upon is that he will never leave us. He will provide for all of our needs. He will protect us. He will set his angels to guard us. When we cry out to him, he will answer. He will give us peace and strength and joy. And those are just a few of the promises that you can find in the word of God. Those are not just nice, flowery sounding statements. Those are promises we can stand on and state claim to when we are in Jesus Christ. So let's not let those promises go to waste in this season of our lives. The second practical with how you can encourage people to overcome fear is to give strength and not just sympathy. Here's a piece of advice that Catherine Booth gave to her young daughter at one point in her life. She said, do not give way to lowness while you are young. Rise up on the strength of God and resolve to conquer. Now, this is not exactly the type of advice we're used to giving people. Usually we feel more spiritual if we say, oh, I feel so bad for you. I'm so sorry. It's so terrible that you have to walk through this. And yet if you look at the way that, especially the New Testament, where Paul encourages or Peter encourages the church to stand firm in trial, it's just filled with those messages to rise up on the strength of God and resolve to conquer. And this is actually the type of of encouragement and comfort that people really need today. So from First Peter, beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as a, some strange things that happened unto you, but rejoice. And James 1.12, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, be brave, be strong. Ephesians 6, 10, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And Galatians 6, 9, do not grow weary in doing good. 2 Timothy 2, 3, endure hardship as a good soldier for Christ. And Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
In the church, we are called to build each other up in God's strength, not just to offer the kind of human sympathy that maybe weakens a soul and promotes self-pity. And one of the best quotes I've ever heard on this is from Amy Carmichael, where she wrote about what real comfort is. She said, many think of comfort as if it were a gentle kind of soothing and nothing else. But the original word for comfort means to strengthen. I have heard one who was, as she thought, comforting another say how hard it is for you. But that sort of talk does not raise up. It pushes down. It is weakening, not strengthening. God's comfort is never weakening. He leaves the soul he comforts stronger to fight, braver to suffer, grateful, not sorry for itself, keen to go on, not to yield. God make us all comforters in that strong sense of the word, his fellow comforters. So when you are thinking about offering comfort to others in this time, remember that your goal is to give strength, not weakness, not to just weaken them and excuse self-pity, but to help them rise up to the strength that is available to them in Jesus Christ. One great example from scripture of the kind of human sympathy that we so often want to give other people is Peter when he began to rebuke Jesus when Jesus said he needed to be killed and be crucified and and Peter just couldn't handle that and he said God forbid it Lord this shall never happen to you. And some of the earlier translations of that verse say pity thyself or be kind to yourself Lord. This can be found in Matthew 16:21. Now, wasn't that a loving, caring response on the part of Peter? You know, he's wanting to protect Jesus from having to go through any pain. So isn't that being a good friend? But human sympathy was not what Jesus needed. In fact, it was actually a temptation from Satan for Jesus to turn to self-pity and self-protection instead of obedience. And so the way he responded to Peter was, Get thee behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but man's. So let's learn from that example and not stand in the way of our friends and our family receiving that supernatural enabling power of God to become more than a conqueror over their own struggles with fear. When you give comfort to others, by all means, be gracious and loving and kind and and understanding, but be sure that you are imparting strength and not weakness with your words. Be sure you're pointing them to the God of all comfort and not just to human sympathy. Give the kind of comfort that promotes real fortitude. Now, what is fortitude? What is spiritual strength in a season of crisis? Spiritual fortitude means simply this, coming to the end of our own strength, laying our weakness at the feet of Jesus and declaring, Lord, I can't, but you can in every challenge that we face. So let's encourage our friends to rise up on the strength of God and resolve to conquer no matter what they're walking through. Here are some final thoughts that I want to share with you. The world around us is being shaken. They are looking for hope. And remember, we are the only ones who have real hope. So let's take this opportunity to live on purpose and boldly shine his light, his hope, and his truth in such a time as this. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you are looking to take these principles deeper in your life, I encourage you to visit us at setapartgirl.com where you can find loads of resources, articles, and even an online mentoring program where you can connect with me and gain a lot of additional teaching on what it means to build a Christ-centered life. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-focused week.